This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. So I have a last-minute addition to this video. Literally after I finished rendering the video and editing it, the story broke that Archbishop Ganswine not only knew about the book, he had the cover and had fully known about everything involving Benedict XVI participating in this book with Cardinal Sarah. Nicholas Diot reported this in the National Catholic Register Wednesday morning. Cardinal Sarah showed Benedict in person the draft cover of from the depths of our hearts during a December 3rd audience, so Benedict knew. And on January 9th, Archbishop Gonswine spoke to the Italian editors of the book and gave them his support. So, to be clear, the book was approved by Archbishop Gonswine and Benedict XVI in advance, well before this controversy erupted. If you don't know who Archbishop Gonswine is, don't worry, I go into that in this video. Again, this is a last-minute addition to the video, so take this in light of the rest of the events that I have outlined here. Thank you for listening and understanding how crazy this story is and how difficult it has been to keep up with it. The controversy over the book from Benedict XVI and Cardinal Sarah took a bizarre twist pretty much within hours of the release of my video on Tuesday. This will be an attempt to outline what we saw unfold over the course of that day and the next which can be summed up in short in this way. While most people overlooked a critical Vatican player in all of this, in the absurd assumption that Cardinal Sarah and Benedict XVI succumbed to pressure from the likes of Austin Ivere and Massimo Fagioli, sorry, it's a laughable idea, an absurd and frankly kind of stupid notion if there ever was one, something else was going on. This story showed us Vatican politics at its very worst, and we only got to see the tip of the iceberg. So let's take a look at what we saw unfolding in real time. Before we step off and to look at the key political figure who most people have actually overlooked. The book has a key passage that shouldn't be overlooked in all of this, as it is much of the source of the controversy. Quoting the release portion of the book, The priesthood of Jesus Christ causes us to enter into a life that consists of becoming one with him, and renouncing all that belongs only to us. For priests, this is the foundation of the necessity of celibacy, but also of liturgical prayer, meditation on the word of God, and the renunciation of material goods. End quote. Further, marriage, Benedict writes, requires man to give himself totally to his family. Quote again. Since serving the Lord likewise requires a total gift of a man, it does not seem possible to carry on the two vocations simultaneously. End quote. Many, many married priests in the Eastern Rites of the Catholic Church, as well as married former Anglican and Lutheran priests who were permitted into the Latin Rite by Benedict himself, actually attest to this statement, and many have signed open declarations defending the necessity of clerical celibacy. But before we go further, let's hear from Bishop Athanasius Schneider, who penned a letter of support to Cardinal Sarah. It provides a strong defense of Sarah 
and gives insight into what we'll be talking about moving forward. Schneider's letter is short. Here it is in full. In support of Cardinal Sarah and his new book, From the Depths of Our Hearts, by Bishop Athanasius Schneider. From the depths of the heart, one must thank His Eminence, Cardinal Robert Sarah, for his heroic gesture in having written the book From the Depths of Our Hearts, and above all, for its theologically and pastorally extremely clear and apt content. With his intervention, Cardinal Robert Sarah has given voice to many bishops, priests, and simple faithful throughout the world, whose voice had been stifled by those administrative structures and influential groups within the life of the Church, which are applauded by the powerful worldwide network of the enemies of the Catholic faith, the faith of all times. Some of the enemies of the true Catholic and apostolic faith launched a lightning-fast attack against Cardinal Sarah by means of slanders and lies. This proves that Cardinal Sarah's intervention was both highly necessary and very timely. One might say that the intervention of Cardinal Sarah has provoked, so to speak, the anger of hell. One might also compare the announcement of Cardinal Sarah's new volume, and its specific content, with the shock reaction that Herod's, the high priests, the scribes, and the whole of Jerusalem exhibited at the announcement of the Magi of the birth of the new king of Israel. The Lord also asks from his eminence, Cardinal Robert Sarah, the sacrifice of having unfortunately and enigmatically been abandoned, even by those persons who, unambiguously and without human respect, should have supported him in his intervention. One can say with deep conviction that our Lord, the Church of all times, the Popes of all times, and all the true Catholics of our time, especially the little ones in the Church, are grateful to His Eminence and are close to Him. One can wish that our Holy Father, Pope Francis, will be grateful for the intervention of Cardinal Robert Serra, which he made out of authentic love for the Church. One may also wish that Pope Francis will effectively and fruitfully consider the contribution of Cardinal Serra since he has so often encouraged free speech in the practice of an apostolic parisia. By his intervention, Cardinal Robert Serra has only fulfilled his grave duty and proven to be a true help to the Pope, and in this manner, to the entire Church. One can believe that in doing so, he was moved by, neither by praise nor by threats, thus bearing witness to the symbolism of the red color of the Cardinal's vestments and of their title, Eminence. The little ones in the church are surely grateful and pray for his eminence, Cardinal Robert Serra. Signed, January 14th, 2020, Bishop Athanasius Schneider, Auxiliary Bishop of St. Mary in Ostania. So having heard the words of support from Bishop Schneider, let's have a look at the order of events as I saw them unfold in real time on the day my previous video on this was released, and it has taken a couple days to sift through all of this. Basically, the timeline events looks like this. Sarah and Benedict announced the release of a book defending clerical celibacy. In response, so-called journalists cite unnamed sources stating that Benedict never wrote anything for that book, or that his contributions were, at best, meant to be private. The story took a strange twist initially when the German publication, CathPress.at, ran the headline, Benedict XVI, I am not co-author of Sarah's book. As you'll recall, the initial story goes like this. Cardinal Sarah and Benedict XVI co-authored a book to be released shortly by Ignatius Press that defends clerical celibacy as more than just a discipline of the Church, which many people erroneously claim that it is. The authors go so far as to use Francis's own words and past actions to defend clerical celibacy, as well as history and the traditions of the Church. 
Cardinal Sarah met with and corresponded with Benedict for the co-authoring of the book, as Cardinal Sarah's account of the matter goes, as well as all the evidence he provided. The opening paragraph of the Cath Press article, translated into English, is revealing. Quote, Benedict XVI has distanced himself from the authorship of the book on priesthood and celibacy, with Cardinal Robert Sarah published. Archbishop George Gonswine, private secretary of Benedict XVI, told the Catholic news agency Cath Press in Rome on Tuesday that, at the request of the Pope Emeritus, Sarah called early Tuesday morning to ask the publisher to remove Benedict XVI's name and picture from the book cover. End quote. That's a revealing and extremely deceptive paragraph, as we will shortly see. The claim from Cath Press was repeated in La Repubblica, with a direct quote from Archbishop Gonswine. Quote, I can confirm that this morning, on the advice of the Pope Emeritus, I asked Cardinal Robert Sarah to contact the editors of the book, asking them to remove the name of Benedict XVI as co-author of the book and to also remove his signature from the introduction and conclusions. End quote. This was repeated and expanded upon by the Catholic News Agency later in the day. Quote, Those portions of the book were 100% Benedict, according to the German media. It was a misunderstanding, without questioning Cardinal Sarah's good intentions, Ganswein said. Quoting further from the CNA article, quote, Ganswein said that Benedict wrote the text on priestly celibacy included in the book during the summer of 2019, that he freely gave it to Cardinal Sarah at his request and that he knew it would appear in a book. He said the Pope Emeritus was not informed of the plan for the actual form and layout. End quote. These are charges Sarah has vocally rejected, providing proof that Benedict knew in the form of proofs and other material evidence in his own defense, proofs being the pre-publication parts of the book. Again, this is all fishy, but we'll get to that shortly. Media reporting the day before, the, before gets to the heart of the matter. The Vatican was frankly not pleased that Benedict chose to speak, seeing his public opposition to the Amazon Synod proposal for married priests as opposition to Francis in some way, and a betrayal of his pledge to remain quiet during the Francis pontificate. Quoting a piece from the Star Tribune online, quote, Benedict's intervention was extraordinary, given he had promised to remain hidden from the world when he retired in 2013, and pledged his obedience to the new pope. He is largely held to that pledge, though he penned an odd essay last year that blamed the sexual abuse crisis on the sexual revolution of the 1960s. His reaffirmation of priestly celibacy, however, gets to the heart of a fraught policy issue that Francis is expected to weigh in on in the coming weeks, and could well be considered a public attempt by the former pope to sway the thinking of the current one. End quote. And that's the rub at least part of it, and it explains behavior we saw from the likes of Austin Nivere and Massimo Fagioli and other media figures who behaved in a contemptible manner during all of this. Their behavior can be understood in this way. They publicly shamed Benedict, said bluntly that Benedict was being used by the vicious and wicked Cardinal Sarah, and fanned the flames of this book's controversy for their own ends. One of the maddening things about the reign of Francis has been the projection many had put onto him, either their worst fears about his excesses and overreaches, or, for the modernists, their best hopes for the revolution that they wanted to see. Thus, instead of a filial loyalty of the kind due to a pontiff, even if they have renounced their throne, the likes of Massimo Fagioli and Austin Ivory spit venom at Benedict, with Fagioli even wondering if Benedict can resign from the emeritus status, and which I would admit would actually help clear much of the confusion of the situation if he did do that. Fagioli also implied we'd see punishments for Cardinal Sarah as well, though we'll see about that. 
Aside from Sarah's tenure and his current Roman Curia role expiring in the next year or so, I'd ex be surprised if he was overtly punished in any way, given the obvious politics of the situation. But let's continue. One of Austin Ivory's statements on Twitter is revealing enough, and that is this. If Benedict and Sarah are publicly contradicting what Francis is aiming for, the fear is that a dual magisterium will emerge, which, by the way, betrays the error Ivere and Fagioli and others keep making. We keep seeing references to the Magisterium of Francis. And quite frankly, there is no such thing as the Magisterium of any particular pope. There is only the Magisterium of the Church, which is comprised of many things and not subject to the whimsical changes made by any given occupant of the See of Peter. The popes are to uphold the sacred Magisterium, not change it, to defend the teachings of the Church, not overturn them, to keep what the Church's body of teachings inviolable, not to just invent their own and thus invent their own church. And for the most part of the history of the church really attests to this. But lately we've heard of something called the Magisterium of Francis, advocated not by those who say he isn't the Pope at all, but by his biggest fans in the revolutionary media. Modernists like those I've mentioned numerous times in this video already. But this brings us back to the present. Antonio Sochi, a reporter whom I trust in his book, the Secret of Benedict XVI, I highly recommend if you're interested in the Benedict XVI Pope Francis question. Sochi reported that the order to strip Benedict's name from the covers and credits of the forthcoming book from Cardinal Sarah came from none other than Francis himself, and that is the only thing that makes sense in all this. So why would Benedict agree to do so? Because of the man everyone is overlooking in all this, Archbishop George Gonswine, who acts as the personal secretary for both Francis and Benedict XVI. Why, pray tell, does a presumably retired pope need a personal secretary? Only if we understand his role as secretary to be something far more than that. Numerous reports have indicated that little, if anything, goes on in Benedict's papal apartments without Gonswine's approval, including and especially approval for who Benedict sees and does not see personally. That isn't so much the actions of a secretary as it is the actions of a personal keeper or jailer. Ganswine has elsewhere said that he is absolutely loyal to Francis, which is expected of anyone who works in the heart of the papacy, and that is the real issue here. Why? Because the correspondence was made available to the public, and it makes clear that Benedict not only knew about the book and its contents, but approved them and was involved in its writing, regardless of what the official narrative might be. If there was any kind of misunderstanding on Benedict's part, then he does have an obligation to defend Cardinal Sarah, because the modernists hate Sarah despite he himself being a hermeneutic of continuity figure in the church, which if you don't know what that means, it means that the revolution of Vatican II can be understood in a continuity with pre-Vatican II teaching and history, a claim that withers under examination. But Sarah is as much a defender of the council as anyone else. He just occupies the post-revolution conservative wing of the church, along with Benedict and John Paul II and other figures that we're familiar with, and that, we're that often we generally praise around here. But the fact is this, the documentation provided by Sarah included correspondence with Benedict, and it does show he knew fully well that his contributions would be used in the book. Statements being made, even by Cardinal Sarah, who himself took to Twitter to publicly announce the following. Quote, Considering the controversies provoked by the publication of the book from the depths of our hearts, it is decided that for the future publications the author of the book will be Cardinal Sarah, with the contribution of Benedict XVI. However, the text remains absolutely unchanged. But an even stranger twist amid a series of strange twists, we get this from French media. 
Benedict XVI stated that the book should be now understood as written by Cardinal Sarah with a credit for Benedict XVI that says, read and approved by Benedict XVI. What that means I don't really know, but it does not address the fear of a parallel so-called magisterium. But it does mean, as a public admission, that Benedict knew about the contents of the book and that he approves them. In the end, this is all the worst sort of Vatican politics. Remember, people like Austin Ivory and Massimo Fagioli and the rest are people are the kinds of people who love it when Benedict comes out and publicly defends the actions of Francis. Do you remember when Benedict said that both his and Francis's reign can be understood in perfect continuity with one another? I do, and the modernist media loved it because Benedict lends a support of credibility with a typical Catholic on the street. Most, ca most Catholics view Benedict as a font of orthodoxy, which is unfortunately not true, but he has that image and reputation, and as a result of that, they have been happy to use him to lend credibility to the Francis Project in the past. Not anymore, mostly because Benedict came out in opposition to the revolution, and he did it with someone whom many observers have said may be the best hope for a good pope to succeed Francis. That may not be the case anymore, though, as the effect of this could have on Sarah really goes only one of two ways, either a. Cardinal Sarah's chances of becoming pontiff if Francis's rule ends soon have become bolstered by his measured defense of rather basic Catholic teachings, or b. his chances have been all but destroyed due to this controversy. Remember, the next conclave has been heavily stacked by Francis, and the politics of papal conclaves are on the minds of the modernists at all times. That is why we saw a bizarre accusation leveled at Benedict when one of these journalists openly asked why Benedict was collaborating with Sarah and not Cardinal Tegel, the latter of whom is not known for his deep theological thinking. The conclave is really what these people care about because for them, this is about power politics and the ability to continue the revolution apace. That's all this is about. And if that doesn't sound Catholic to you, it's because it's not. If Sochi's claim is correct, and I strongly believe it to be, then the order to change the author credits on the book came not from Benedict, but from Francis. And that really is the only thing that makes sense. And who is Francis's creature? Archbishop Gonswine, whose job it is to keep Benedict on a leash, if we're being blunt. That is the only thing that makes any sense in all of this. And that is what we're seeing play out in front of everyone with the eyes to see. That the con job going on in Rome is being exposed. And that is a frightful thing to see, for it could well mean we are headed down some very strange and dark roads in the coming weeks and months. For now, the book is due out in February, and Ignatius Press is refusing to take Benedict's name off the cover. As according to their publishing guide, if anyone contributes to a book in a meaningful way, they get a co-author credit. The evidence shows that Benedict's contributions fit the bill here. So in the end, at least the English language editions of the book will have Benedict's name on it, and that has to be cause for concern in Rome. So, as far as I can tell, that's the update on the situation in Rome with Benedict XVI, Cardinal Sarah, the duplicitous and venomous Catholic media, Francis and Benedict's handler, Archbishop George Gonswine. But let me know your, thought, your thoughts on this in the comments below. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.